0: broadcasting live from the prime meridian bank studios in the capital city of tallahassee this is the front row with tom block and keith jones brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener online at ctf.nu here's tom and keith
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the National Signing Day edition of The Front Row. It's Christmas all over again. It's just like every other edition of the show, except we talk about National Signing Day. Keith, back in your day, way back when, we don't have to quantify that, how many TV cameras and internet reporters and still photographers and social media and everything else were present when you came out of Little Wildwood High School and signed on the dotted line to come to FSU?
2: Well, first of all, Al Gore had not invented the Internet. Uh, we were still taking photographs with cameras that required film, and there was an NCAA rule that uh, your coach or your uh, recruiter could not appear in the same photograph as you for the photograph that was released to any of the press. So there was a photograph of me and my mom and my dad and me signing a piece of paper. And that's the lone and sole evidence of my National Signing Day function.
1: We have come a long way in the last uh, several <laughs> decades. Tom and Keith with you. Let's go ahead and set the story straight. Obviously, uh, today being Signing Day, uh, many of you, particularly recruitniks, have been refreshing your browser without your employer's knowledge all day long at the office or, or checking or
2: you just called in sick and at least you're you're going to be honest about i'm not putting in a day's work so i'm not even going
1: to show up but just just so you're aware uh, we are going to talk uh, about florida state's signing class to some degree uh, keith is, is actually uh, going to be in miami tonight because the noles basketball team is playing i'm involved uh, privileged again to be involved in the jimbo fisher signing day party at uh devoe moore's car museum so uh, that's where I technically am. So the point being, we've recorded the show uh, early in the day, and we're not going to be giving you blow-by-blow, minute-by-minute updates on who actually signed on the dotted line. We will have our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefelt, join us. And what he can discuss uh, and will discuss in detail is the the guys that signed early that are already in school. And if you aren't already, go to Seminoles.com and
2: all of the latest updates. In fact, the, the updates will be there officially quicker than they can technically be anywhere else because exactly you can't right. release anything until the OLI is received and Seminoles.com will be the first to know that.
1: There you go. Okay so that said uh, again we're not going to have the uh, the 603 update on the wind blowing from the east which means so and so is now going to commit here or sign here. Uh, going back to the, the original premise of this conversation though uh, recruiting has evolved and Jimbo Fisher has evolved Florida State From a recruiting standpoint, among many other things, Bobby Bowden had a tremendous reputation as a closer and did a great job when he was uh, at the helm. Florida State uh, traditionally had very, very good recruiting classes. That has not changed at all under Jimbo Fisher. Some would argue that it's gotten better. I'm not enough of a recruit to pull out the metrics and look at it. This is what I know. I don't pay attention to all the kids over the course of the year i'm not watching their high school tape a whole lot i'm not watching the all-star games i know certain names that get a buzz to them and they tend to be the guys that have not committed yet a guy just as talented that committed to fsu last march isn't nearly the buzz as somebody today because there's all this hype that goes with it but the larger point is that jimbo fisher and his staff have done a good job evaluating talent and they continue to produce certainly a top five recruiting class We'll see where this one lands. Uh, but if you look at the last 6, 8, 10 years, it's Alabama, then FSU, Ohio State in the mix.
2: My, my take on it is a little different. I'm a couple of steps removed. I really don't follow the recruiting hardly at all, and I really don't care necessarily about the early signees per se. Uh, what I care about is when I'm allowed to go to practice and I see them, and, and, and I'll take it one step further. I'm not really interested in seeing them running around in shorts and helmets. In other words, the first day they put on full pads and they're committed to Florida State, sometime in in, in August, that's when I like to go and look because uh, I'm not smart enough to figure out the metrics. I'm not smart enough, nor was I a great enough athlete to have a star, much less two or three or four or five of them. And what I really care about is not how fast they run, how high they jump, how much weight they can push. I want to see them with a football uniform on, performing football, duties against other football players. Now, having said all that, I'm appreciative of uh, everything that goes into it, and certainly the time and the effort and the money that's expended in doing evaluations is remarkable, and uh, Jimbo and his staff have have been remarkable, using that uh, word again. Uh, But the one thing that I think does get lost that uh, we sometimes get caught up in and all the fandom about the fives and the fours and the threes and the metrics and the overall is that uh, once you get the kids here, you got to make them football players. All that that ranking says is they're this type or that type of athlete. You still have to develop them. And I think in that one regard, Jimbo Fisher can hold absolutely equal – with Saban and his staff about developing them once they get on campus there was an interesting
1: stat and we don't have time to go too far into this but uh, the Super Bowl is this week I think it was John Solomon on CBS Sports went back and looked at all the star rankings of the starters as best he could tell for the Falcons and the Patriots and the average star ranking was like a two and a half to a 2.8 offensive and defensive um, which is lower than what you would expect, I think, and and I, I guess it's I w- not lower than what I'd expect because all those,
2: half of the five stars blow out, right? Because they've been treated so differently for all of their career, they ain't never going to make it on a football
1: field. I, I will say it was an interesting thing. Juxtapose it. I'll give the uh, recruiting sites some credit here. It it has gotten a lot better than what it used to be. In that you do have camps where said five star goes against said five star. Uh, they, there's a lot more evaluation than goes into it than, say, 20 or 30 years ago when it really was just if a co- you know a back room and a coach is saying, hey, this kid needs to be a five-star. Let me move him up and make him a five-star. So there's a lot more science to it now, but it it, it is uh, it, you still do have to evaluate. And Jimbo Jim and his staff do a good job on that. We will hear from Jimbo a little bit later in the program uh, to share his thoughts on this this latest uh, recruiting haul, if you will. I need to mention that our good friends at uh, Centrale Italian Parlor – are uh, really encouraging, inviting, and pushing folks to uh, put them in the rotation uh, for lunch plans. Now, I happen to work on campus, so it's pretty easy for me to get there. But one thing we haven't talked about lately, if you haven't been on Madison Street and down to College Town lately, uh, there is a brand new parking deck open, which I'm sure you've seen. So parking has gotten much simpler and easier down there. Matter of fact, you can get an app on your phone. Uh, you don't even have to get out of your car and walk to the pay station. You can just do it from your phone in the name of, you know, 2017 and being lazy. That's if you can figure out the phone. Keith, why, why did you look at me for that? Because you still write down the address and you mail the 50 cents to park to whoever gets it and go from there. Two quarters can be mailed with one stamp. Centrale Italian Parlor, our good friend Matt Thompson and his folks, uh, please support them. We appreciate their support of said program. We'll take a break. Come back. It's signing day and we're having fun as usual here on the front row.
0: The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Man, as we welcome you back, I always forget that we have the walk-up music for our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Lenefeld. And and truthfully, uh, as we say hello to Tim on the Earl Bacon Agency Hotline, that music had, had served its uh, purpose very well, but I, I told you, Tim, we weren't going to start with basketball, but now that I listen to that, do we need to make a change now? What's what's the ruling?
3: <laughs> you know, maybe it's time. It had a good run, but you, you always would like to get out you know, too soon before too late, so may, maybe it's time to consider that. All
1: right, Mr. Lang. Yeah, we're going to give Tom Lang the rest of this segment to cue something up, and uh, instead of uh, walk-up music, it'll be walk-off music, and we'll get it ready at the end of this segment for you, Tim.
3: All right, there you go.
1: All right, that said, we're not going to start with basketball, although it is a big game tonight. And kind of ironic that the ACC would schedule Miami and FSU on National Signing Day in basketball. Which, Keith, yeah. it goes to, to my point about how Basketball Media Day was three days before the Clemson-FSU football game last fall. Yeah,
2: there's, there's, I'm back on my there's sometimes not a lot of forethought, but be that as it may. Did you have a thought
1: on that, Tim?
3: Well, no, I just, you know I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, yesterday on the ACC uh, coaches teleconference, somebody asked, both uh, leonard hamilton and, and jim laranaga to sort of talk about the the rivalry of florida state and miami in basketball and, and how does it compare to football and, and baseball and you know the reality is it, it kind of doesn't at least not from a rivalry standpoint we can talk about that a little bit later it's just you, you, you bring up the football aspect of things and me think of it
1: well no it's and it's never going to be what the football rivalry is and and florida state miami baseball is uh, as good a rivalry as there is in college baseball, too. Although, and this is a discussion for another day. Frankly, it's not to me the same level as what it was when they used to play home and home, home and home uh, on successive weekends and play six times. And the folks listening to this show don't even know that used to happen. So they, <laughs> they're they're accustomed to seeing Miami come to town only every two years on the right. baseball field. But let's let's talk football uh, and understanding that uh, as we pointed out in our first segment, Keith and I are busy people. Keith is uh, in Coral Gables for tonight's uh, matchup. Uh, i'm going to be involved in jimbo's uh, signing day party at the car museum so obviously we're taping this earlier in the day and uh, that leaves you tim uh, before a lot of these kids have signed uh, in a position where you can't talk about them till they've signed so general broad stroke thoughts on on what this class is going to be for fsu and and how you think jimbo and his staff did
3: i mean i think they did really really well uh you know it's, it's always kind of funny it's almost Seems like an annual tradition or a semi-annual tradition around December or January. You pull up Twitter and and see people, you know, sort of uh, hitting the red button and panicking over, you know, the the signing class and the guys that they're missing out on or the positions of need or what have you. And then almost invariably, and it seems to be the case again this year, uh, Jimbo Fisher and his staff they 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 close, as the saying goes, and and they get the guys they need. They fill the positions that they need, uh, and everything just sort of works out fine. and, And they get a class that ranks, you know, certainly. Uh, among the tops in the Atlantic Coast Conference and the nation as well. So, uh, you know, maybe one day we'll learn to to let the whole recruiting cycle play itself out before we make too many sweeping judgments. But but once again, it looks like National Signing Day is going to be a happy day around the Florida State football offices.
1: Well, we can, uh, with you, talk about the guys who are already in school. And in uh, some respects, this is old news because people that follow recruiting know this. But in other respects, we haven't seen these guys play and they get the advantage of coming in for spring football. And the headliner is clearly... Cam Akers, but he's one of three five-stars, I think, that, uh, that got in school early. Uh, so maybe you have a different take on that. But we'll start with Cam anyway. Is it realistic to think he's going to come in and compete with Jacquez Patrick to be the starter or maybe be the starter at the running back spot?
3: I think it, I think it really is. And, and for that matter, I think it's almost, I don't want to say guaranteed, but I think he has a really great chance to at least play a significant role this fall, uh, maybe even better than Dalvin Cook did at the start of his career. Uh, And I say that as no disrespect to Dalvin Cook, obviously, it's just that Florida State had so much more uh, at the running back position, at least at this time, in 2014, with Carlos Williams and Mario Pender ahead of Dalvin Cook on the depth chart. It it took a little while for Dalvin to sort of assert his place uh, as a freshman. It took some injuries as well. Well, now you're looking at a situation uh, in the backfield of Florida State where they don't have that type of experience. Dr. Patrick, I think, has has shown himself to be a nice player, but we don't know that he could be a feature back. We don't know that, that he can be a focal point of the offense the way that Dalvin Cook was. And even even still, you know, let's say that Jacquez is, uh, is, is featured heavily in the offense. We, we at least know that, that Jimbo Fisher, unless he has a Dalvin Cook-like talent and somebody as productive as Dalvin Cook, he's going to want to use multiple running backs. Uh, so that now you're down to, again, assuming Jacquez Patrick has a role, you're down to Ryan Green and Cam Akers. And Ryan Green as experienced as he is. Uh, we just haven't seen him play a, a prominent role yet, so you got to think that, that the newcomer Cam Akers is going to at least have a shot. So, yeah, I, I do think he'll have a, a role to play this fall. So again, assuming that he picks up what he needs to over the next several months and and can stay healthy, uh, the the running back depth chart certainly uh, you know looks like it has some openings for him.
2: And I would think, uh, and, and and I've had to do this to myself, but the paradigm has has shifted. When and if you get you know that one in ten year player. Uh, you know, having him wait his turn is no longer a reality in today's environment. Particularly when you're opening with Alabama, uh, the first game of the season. I mean, if he if he can do it and is capable of doing it, uh, you put him in there uh, despite his inability. We all know that they struggle with pass pro, but you put him in there because he can perform.
3: Well, yeah, you mentioned the pass protection. That is definitely a big part of it. But at least early in the season. You know, you find something that he can do. You know, is, is there uh, a particular uh, you know play that he's really good at? Is he good at catching the ball out of the backfield? Whatever the case may be, you find what he can do early on and try to maximize that. And that's that's sort of the way it has to be. Like you said, when you when you're starting with an Alabama, uh, as opposed to uh, you know if it were an SDS school or something like that, like some schools start off with it. it you know, of course, it's going to need all hands on deck against Alabama, and if that includes some freshmen, then, then that's the way it's going to be.
2: Plus, you're going to see him 15 days in the spring. Uh, I mean, you're going to get a, an initial feel for how good he can be or how, how, how well he's picking things up. And I'll say
3: this. I, you know, I haven't seen him play in person. You know, I've watched, watched some of the highlight videos and that sort of thing. But I have seen him walking around on campus, and I know what football players look like, and I know what D1 running backs look like. Uh, and he certainly fits the bill. Um, you know, it, it always sounds kind of funny when you're talking about the physical attributes of, of football players, but but all I can say is, is he looks the part. He looks like he can be a a, a really nice running back. Just really uh, has that kind of build, that frame that you like to see. And so, you know, he has that aspect of it. Whether or not the the rest of it will come, we'll see. Uh, certainly, the, his track record suggests that it will. But uh, but if you're a Florida State fan, walking around on campus and you see uh, Cam Makers walking around, it, it's not too hard to identify him as a football player.
1: Well, the other five stars in the class uh, that are already in school, Stanford Samuels the third; Joshua Kando, who's a really top defensive end. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, the rest of the guys that are in early, Cyrus Fagan, uh, Trey McKitty, uh, Adonis Thomas, three-star linebacker. But I want to ask you about Bailey Hockman, uh, who comes in as a quarterback, and specifically because, and, and this is something Keith and I have talked about a little bit. It is of a concern. Yeah, quarterback depth is a concern right now. And so I'm curious – is there a mystery plan that Jimbo has that we're not aware of? Uh, is, is he confident that JJ Cosentino can be coached up a little more than what we've seen? Does he think Bailey Hockman can move into that number two position? Obviously, if DeAndre stays healthy, it's not a concern. Um, I, and I'm going to throw this wrinkle in there just to let you expound upon this, Tim. Cam Akers played a lot of quarterback in high school, and I'm not suggesting he's not going to play running back, but I am wondering if he's not a guy that you could create a package for, which I know that goes against everything Jimbo believes in in terms of his offensive philosophy and the spread offense, but it would reduce some potential wear and tear on Francois at the front end. I'm just curious what your thought is on what this is going to look like going forward.
3: I think in in regard to Cam Akers, it's probably something you like having in the back of your pocket uh, but given Jimbo's track record, like you mentioned, I, I delicately I would say I don't think that's his first choice. You know what I mean? Uh, especially as a freshman, maybe that's something you could expand upon. Uh, you know, later on in his career. But my my guess is that at least for his first year, they're going to want him focusing almost exclusively on running on playing running back. Now, is that to say that they couldn't drop like a trick play or something that they got him uh, involved in that respect? Eh, maybe sure, but I, I don't think it'll be something you see regularly. As for the quarterback position with Bailey Hockman, it's, it's almost kind of like we said with, with Cam Akers, is that there's at least uh, an opportunity for him to sort of seize a role, uh, especially when there's a veteran on the on the roster who gets to make a significant impact. But you know, I'll be curious to see, and I'm sure the Jimbo will be asked about this later uh, this afternoon uh, at his press conference and maybe at the uh, at the, uh, the war party as well about the quarterback depth. But you know, I wonder what the staff uh, w- would say about J.J. Cosentino. I mean, he'll, he'll get the in this season, we was, it's been a long time since we've seen him, uh, dating back to that Louisville game. And so, you know, you like to think optimistically that he's made some strides in practice. He will be a fourth-year junior uh, going into to this season. So, you know, you like to think between that experience and knowledge of the playbook, uh, they would like to think that if there were a situation where he had to play, you know, a little bit at least, that he could at least be serviceable. Uh, and I understand that maybe, you know, a lot of fans don't necessarily want to hear that, but, but you know, Given given the fact that he's been practicing every day for the last three four years, maybe maybe that there's a way of uh, making the coaching staff feel a bit more confident in that. So uh, we'll see. I, if there's a mystery plan, I don't know what it is, but uh, I you know as far as I can tell, I think JJ Costantino is going to be. Your number two, and when asked about it, I would expect that, that Jimbo would point to his experience and, and his knowledge of the playbook and the system as, as you know pretty good reasons for that.
2: Well, the reality is, every time JJ has been called upon, it's been under some difficult and, and unique circumstances. Even the spring game, you know, everybody—all eyes were on the two younger kids, and nobody was even paying attention to him. Uh, so he he's had his back up against the wall in terms of the environment that he stepped into every time he's been asked to perform.
3: That's a really good point, Keith. And, and you know, you take to the other other side. You know, at the, at the Peach Bowl against Houston, you're, you're being asked to come and play your, your first significant action whatsoever uh, in a situation where that the the field felt like it was starting to tilt uh, against Florida State. And, and no, he didn't handle that situation well. But that's a lot to ask of somebody in, in their first action. And, and you know, the fact of the matter is, a lot of guys on Florida State's roster didn't handle that situation very well. Uh, and then the Louisville game, you know, you almost want to call that a you know a, a wash because again. Ah, uh, there weren't very many players on Florida State's roster who who did very well in that game, and and so I mean, you can kind of lump that in there. It's hard to ask a guy to go in on the road down by that many scores and 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 do you know anything uh, positive. So uh, I'm not saying you just want to throw those those performances out, but I would say you know at least try to put them in their proper context when you're thinking about his capability moving forward. Agreed, well, agreed.
1: I do think you know when you look at the Peach Bowl, he was the third-string quarterback all year. And so he got a lot fewer reps, and then Golson was no longer on the team. It was a worst case scenario that he got forced in there. And now, early last season, because McGuire was hurt, he was getting more reps in there. But I, I think it, it, we do need to make that point that we just did. All right, we're going to bounce to uh, baseball and basketball real quick, Tim, and uh, we'll have time in future weeks and and uh, the month of July actually is a pretty good time to, to to talk extensively about the signing class since we've got to talk about something. <laughs> baseball predictions are really really high for this florida state uh, baseball team picked to win the acc ranked as high as number two by baseball america which usually is the stingiest with it's the love for florida state uh you've been out there already what's what's the vibe it's pretty positive
3: and you know mike martin usually kind of likes to like most coaches like to you know announce expectations while also sort of uh, hedging his bets a little bit and but even he said the other day at his first press conference of the season, he said, "You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. We, we have a pretty good team." Then he kind of said, "No, we we have a good team." Uh, but then the caveat was, which was, "So does everybody else in the ACC." But yeah, I, I think this team knows it's good. It's really young, and the, you know, the most remarkable thing to me is just sort of how quickly this this nucleus, this core of, of both pitchers and position players, has come together. You know, it seemed like. A year ago at this time, we didn't really know what to expect out of the program. They were off a super regional loss in Gainesville where they didn't look very competitive. Uh, you didn't know who was going to hit. You didn't know who was going to pitch. And you were left wondering if all these freshmen were going to be able to contribute. And as it turns out, almost all of them are able to. So now you have a, you know three starting pitchers who make up a, a really nice core there in Drew Carlton, Cole Sands, and Tyler Holton. And then you have a core of, of second now second- and third-year players in your lineup between Cal Raleigh, Dylan Busby, Taylor Walls—I'm um, sure I'm leaving guys out at this point—who all of a sudden, in in a matter of really less than a year, if you consider when those guys came on last year, uh, what looks like one of the strongest teams that, that Florida State has, and when you survey has, has had in recent years, excuse me—and then when you survey the scene across college baseball, and if you watch the College World Series in Omaha last year, you look and say, well, how many teams out there can can be better than this one, and how many teams have have more talent and, and more productivity? Certainly coming back. So I think that's the reason that the that, that people are optimistic. If, if you're assuming that all those freshmen and sophomores from last year who played so well down the stretch and who still lost in a Super Regional at Gainesville, but there's no doubt it was much more competitive than it was a year before, if all those guys take just the uh, a reasonable step forward from year one to year two or year two to year three, all of a sudden this looks like a, a the makings of a pretty special team. And so I think they feel it. You can kind of tell, and you know, they look around and, and see some of the guys that that they have back. And and I I think that they're, they're pretty excited about the year. And that's not even mentioning uh, a guy like Drew Mendoza, the freshman who was a top 30 prospect in the MLB draft, turned down a lot of zeros uh, to come to Florida state. I think he'll fit right in. Uh, And he's another guy to to talk to you. If if Cam Akers looks like a football player, Drew Mendoza looks like a baseball player. uh, I think he'll, uh, he'll probably start at third base and just, you know, looks like he's ready to go. Uh, You know, the, the, the rumors, I guess not rumors, but the rumblings around the program is that he could be, know, potentially one of the best that they've ever had. So, you know, throw him into the mix with some of the guys that, that they already have back from last year and like I said, you've got the makings
1: of a, a pretty nice team. Indeed. Listen, we're we're gonna save you uh from having to to make predictions about the basketball game tonight. We're gonna do you this favor. But we are confident that Tom found some new walk off music that's gonna change <laughs> leonard hamilton's team's fortunes tonight down in coral gables so uh the the
3: benny
1: hill theme i'm not no we're hoping it's defensively minded whatever he picked (laughs) yeah so uh, i will do the obligatory thank you to our seminoles.com insider tim lenefeld we appreciate your insight as always tim but then we'll uh we'll cue it up so take it away without further ado t lang
0: Front Row is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu. Now, here's Tom and Keith. Back on the Front Row.
1: We have new music for Tim Linnefell. We'll let him react to that next week. Little known fact, uh, as Keith gets ready to broadcast tonight's FSU Miami game with Gene, he and Gene actually, uh, you know, do you guys go with earbuds? You've probably got the, you get what all the cool kids have these days. You've got the full-fledged headphones now. Correct. You normally listen to Eye of the Tiger on the way to the arena before broadcast, don't you? No, we do not. Okay. I, I, I thought I was going to let a little secret out of the bag.
2: That We did the way with that in year three we're now in year 17
1: okay so uh that said big game tonight uh but we've been talking about national signing day i haven't even gotten any thought Uh, do you have any thought what's the key give me give me 20 second soundbite on how fsu wins on the basketball court tonight keith defense it all starts with defense uh that's the one thing you can control you
2: control your effort and you control how you play defense whether the other team's playing man-to-man zone whether you're taller shorter or anything else and then uh for a three-quarter stretch the two quarters, uh, two two halves, rather against uh, Georgia Tech, and the half first half against Syracuse, Florida State just didn't play defense. They didn't have any energy. That came back in the second half of Syracuse, but the hill was too high to climb. So what I'm interested in seeing tonight is the effort, particularly on the defensive end. That leads to offense. That's how you win ball games.
1: Back to football in a moment. I will point out as I looked at the ACC standings today, and obviously tonight is no gimme. It's going to be a challenge for FSU to get it, but. When you look at the top half of the league, you have Carolina, Virginia, Louisville, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Duke. Played them all. Those are teams that FSU has played. When you look at the bottom half of the league, you have Miami, NC State, Wake Forest, Clemson, Boston College, Pitt. Better beat them. FSU has only played Wake in that group. So there are some wins out there. Uh, if FSU goes 6-3, and three, really we should. the second half of the conference schedule, we should be ecstatic. If they go 5-4, and four, you're still going to be looking at a nice record overall. But given the way the season started, people are going to be grumbling. That said, I want to bounce back to football before you react to that because it is National Signing Day. And late this afternoon, Jimbo Fisher, uh, you know, today more than any signing day I can remember uh, recently, the recruits in terms of guys FSU was waiting on really stretched out uh, what they did throughout the course of the day. So Jimbo's presser a little bit later than normal. But uh, let's take a listen now just to some – some comments from head coach Jimbo Fisher on his latest recruiting haul here on National Signing Day.
4: Uh, extremely athletic. I mean, probably as many high thirty-six to forty-four inch verticals maybe we've had in class yet. So one of the more athletic classes we've ever had, I think, as far as that goes. Good speed, but a lot of length and range, which is uh, very exciting in uh, in that regard. So uh, different. Uh, hopefully, it's going to turn out. We'll find out in a year or two. You now, if they're really, you know, can't force, you know, guys to play. Some will play this year. Some won't. And then we'll find out in about two years if, you know, if our projections on guys are really good and they, as they're helping with our class. So.
0: Everybody says it's hard to get two
2: great running backs in the same class or maybe three. How, how are you guys able to keep all those guys?
4: Well, just honest. I mean, and, and, and listen, backs realize that there's different roles. You can play two at a time. You, and, and the way you – when you're in a split-back formation, you have a true fullback, but those guys is like having two tailback, which is a very dynamic thing to do. Guys can split out and be, you know – Receivers and catch bubble screens and routes downfield. you know, do those kind of things All those guys have those kind of qualities and also running back. You only have so many wrecks in your body And learning to uh, diversify that and you know This year was probably so than I've ever done as far as numbers of carries to a back But I thought we had an exceptional one with just the way the season went and Dalvin was playing really well, but you know, we usually diversify that back and we had James and we had Carlos and uh, We had Freeman and then we had Dalvin and that mix and We always had a lot of rotation of backs and they see it being used and those guys are making it in the league the,
2: the, the early enrollees, could you talk a little bit about how they've
4: acclimated? We've been through. Our guys, they fit right in look like the guys that they've been here already. I mean, those guys are all adjusting, going to class, the classes and all that stuff, and getting acclimated workouts. have now started the guys that have kind of adopted them in, and players all say they you know they, they like them and, and say so they go. They fit right in. They look like they definitely belong here, that's for sure. Do you, do you expect they'll all
0: be able to go to spring practice? Or? Oh, yeah, there's no doubt
4: they're all going through the spring. A lot of those guys play positions where you lost some key guys last year, running back defensive end corner. Do you expect somebody to step in and be a downer in the markets, but how good is it to get you know, top-level talent in the system? Well, it's good. And then, like you say, whether they end up starting or not, which they could start, but then they've got a spring in, got a summer in. So you're talking about even if they can be a quality backup and be ready to take 20 snaps a game, the opening game, and then grow into a role. Or they may start, you know, you don't, you'll you never know. Uh, you know, those those are, to me, that, that's really big, really is. Jimbo, you landed Leonard Warner earlier in the day. Just what do he bring for your defense? Of size, athleticism, range, intelligence—that's a guy we've been in the battle with the whole time. It was us, Georgia, Stanford, Alabama, all kinds of schools, and you know it was a thing that we, it was we knew it was going to go down to the end, and uh, we felt all along that we had one heck of a shot to get him. I just knew he would be a guy that would go through the process of looking. Uh, strategically and everything he had to look at before he made a decision, but we're ecstatic to have him. I mean, he's got range, size, intelligence. Being inside guy can rush outside. Plays the pass very well. Very good ball skills. Runs the track. Runs the four hundred meters on the track team. You know, two hundred twenty-eight pounds. So I mean, very athletic, long range guy. Yeah. The, the two kids
0: from Turner
4: County, Georgia, were they? It seems like they slipped through the cracks a little bit. I, the recruiting service. How Cam Irving slipped through the crack? And us the Georgia Southern. How Xavier Rhodes slipped through the crack. How Bjorn—I mean, it's been a lot of guys do it. You get in those small towns, and it's hard access. People ain't going. People don't work sometimes. People people get lazy. And these guys here, one—I mean, we, we found saw Terry first, and we're—I mean, this guy's six foot three. He's two hundred. He's going to be two hundred and twenty pounds for his old whip. But he—you know—he's one hundred one hundred 199 to two hundred two right now playing basketball. Going to be a big. I mean, going to be a big guy. Can really run ball skills. Routes, toughness, and then all of a sudden, we, we saw Terry. I mean, we saw him on the film and said, Man, who's this guy? that we saw him play basketball, and then we started really researching and went back and watched him two or three times. I think this guy's got a tremendous future. I mean, you know, this this goes back to guys yeah, you know, we'll see how he pans out. But I mean, I think he got, you know, found Corey Webster that way, found Randall Gay that way, Tra- Travis Daniels that way, guys that no one recruited. That was 12 Corey Webster two weeks before signing. He was going to Southern Miss, the only offer he had. I mean, there's guys out there, if you go flip up the rocks and study, they're not always – you don't always go looking for Jim. They just have to be there, and we took them. I, I think these guys have a tremendous, tremendous future.
2: And then when, when other schools try to get in late – Oh, yeah, right? and after we are, the
4: Georgia, Alabama, everybody in the world got in. But I said that's the way it always goes. I mean, I, you know, because in, in the world of social media, <clears throat> once it starts, it goes. You know what I'm saying? And once, once, once one big-time school goes, it happens. So
1: When you're an assistant, you kind of find those players, and how do you guys go about bringing them to the – to the board and read to the discussion, say, Hey, I found this player. Put them on. Do you guys come think? tell
4: me. Throw the, put the film on. I in the sky don't lie. And then we know find out everything we can. See if they have the skills on the film. why we'll to watch them. And then have you seen them play? Have you seen them practice? Talk to the people and then just start the whole process. Do you guys ever ask questions like, How come people haven't really
1: found you yet? Or I was is, it, is that kind of alarming at first?
4: No, but I mean, that's the other people's problem. That ain't the kids' problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: You know what I'm saying? I mean, Everybody wanted, I mean, what, what did they do wrong? They've been playing them where they've been all the time. And we've had we, we've had quite a few guys that we've been very fortunate having guys that have you know, – Devontae Freeman. I remember when we, were, when we signed Devontae, when we recruited him, he was a zero star. You realize that? Never started a game. He was going to be a senior in high school. Xavier Rose, three star. Cam Irving wasn't even on the board. He was a zero star. Like Ontario, a zero star. I mean, that happened, man. And just – if I have to wait and say, Somebody else tell me he's a player, and I need to get out of
1: business. Jimbo pleased again. No coach. I'm still waiting for the first coach to, you know, step to the mic and say, you know what, I really hate my class. I'm not happy with anybody we got. We really missed on pretty much every, all positions of need we struck out. No, in all, in all seriousness, Jimbo would not be the guy to do that because his he and his staff have done a good job again. You know, one thing that's
2: interesting, we talked about Coach Bowden and his ability to close, and this might be the, the first, well, I'd say the most – Noticeable class, where where Jimbo had to close late. In other words, there, there's there's some decisions being made that maybe you would have thought would have had a verbal commitment or something else prior to. Uh, and, and that just strikes me as a little unique. I don't know if that's good, bad. I just think it's different in the way the landscape is. Well,
1: and the landscape's going to shift further when we get this early signing period in December uh, officially approved. And uh, maybe over the summer or in coming months, we can get a chance to talk to Jimbo about that. All right, we'll step aside, come back. we got a little bit uh, more, uh, maybe a lot more recruiting talk uh, still ahead, as well as some basketball business to get to when we roll on in the front row. We need no
0: education. The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith.
1: Welcome back to the Front Row National Signing Day edition. Florida State with another great class. Tom and Keith back with you. And as we return to the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, We've got uh, a gentleman who's going to join us who's truly an expert in terms of uh, the great athletes that have come through the state of Mississippi. We've talked at length about Cam Akers. Uh, this is someone who's seen Cam play. He's the former executive director and current historian for the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame, uh, writes for the Mississippi Today. If you're from those parts, he was the longtime sports editor and columnist of the uh, Clarion Ledger in Jackson. So, uh, And he's also headed into the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame later this year. So congratulations to you as we welcome Rick Cleveland to the program. How are you, sir? What? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining us for a few minutes. I, You know, I, I set out when I reached out to you. I wanted to find somebody who has sort of been there, seen that. And, and as best I can tell, that, that applies to you in terms of, I think, probably a half century of, of covering athletics and high school athletics in the state of Mississippi. Uh, so let well, me, if you're if you're
5: saying I'm old, then you are correct.
1: I, I didn't say it that way. I just okay. I was just giving you All credit right. for being experienced. There <laughs> you go. Welcome to my world. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to share this now. I, a lot of our listeners are are diehard recruitniks, and so they would be aware of of the game that Cam Akers had in his state championship game. Uh, but others, and I'd put myself in this category. I'm more of a, a fringe follower of recruiting I trust the coaching staff knows who they're signing and what they're getting but there's been quite a buzz about Cam Akers so I want to I want to read your own words that you penned after seeing Cam Akers uh, seven touchdown performance in that high school championship game so you wrote uh, these eyes saw Walter Payton play at Columbia High School these eyes saw Marcus Dupree play at Philadelphia they saw Jarius Norwood play at Brandon Deuce McAllister at Morton and Jimmy John's at Brookhaven but these eyes have never seen a better Mississippi high school football player than Cam Akers, Clinton's 17-year-old wonder kid whom I saw in person for the first time here on Thursday night. And so I'll stop there because that's a mouthful and a lot to digest, but you are someone who's seen the best of the best come through Mississippi. What is it that makes Cam Akers jump to the front of that pack?
5: Well, uh, if you look at him you know, body-wise, he's built like Walter Payton, uh, you know, through the legs and, uh, Trump, I mean, he's got speed. He can run around you. He can, uh, run through you. He's got strength to run through you like Walter had. Um, uh, he, uh, can get from zero to as fast as he gets really fast, uh, and uh, on on top of all that, he is. I don't know how much the halfback pass has been part of Florida State's repertoire, but it's probably going to be because he can. He's uh, he was the best passer in this this year too. He can really throw it. Um, I mean, really throw it. And uh, and on top of that, you know they always. If they were in a, if Clinton was in a difficult situation, uh, close game, and uh, needed a stop, uh, they put him in at cornerback and locked him on the best receiver. I mean, he's 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 that type of athlete.
2: Rick, my era is in the late seventies when I had the privilege of playing for Florida State and Coach Bowden, and and uh, it was a little bit before Dupree came along, and and obviously with his knee injury, maybe some expectations not uh, uh, realized, but. Uh, if you would, you, you talked about Walter. How, how does Cam compare to, to Marcus in terms of uh, where they were at at the same period at out of their high well, schools?
0: Well,
5: it, it, it's really a hard comparison to make because Marcus played in Philadelphia, Mississippi. And so he was playing against uh, 2A, 3A competition, and he was always the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on the field him is playing in 6A football uh, in the toughest district of 6A football in the state, uh, a district that's going to have a lot of division one prospects. A lot of guys are going to be signing that he played against every Friday night. A lot of guys are going to be playing, uh, signing division one scholarships. And uh, so he, he, Cam played against a lot better competition than, than Marcus did. That said, uh, Marcus was every bit as fast, if not faster, and was bigger than Cam. The, the biggest, biggest difference is, uh, you know, Marcus didn't play defense and he couldn't throw. Uh, Cam Cam can do it all. He, he is, as I said, in that, piece that you you were reading from he's the he's the best high school football player that i've ever seen and i've seen you know the best that have come through mississippi uh including peyton and rice Dupree and farve and you know a whole whole bunch i'm a guy you probably remember reggie collier Uh,
2: (laughs) played against
1: him yeah yeah not fond memories
5: yeah Yeah. well i I, I was at that game by the the where he, God ran for about two hundred and threw for another two hundred, and they scored fifty
2: nine or something like that. Appreciate the nightmares. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
5: <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying is he's the best I've ever seen, and from all uh, accounts and everybody I've talked to who's who's close to him, he has the uh, the work ethic that separates. And, and you know this; you played that. There's something that separates the 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 really good or even great players from the elite players and that's the work ethic and what they put into it and just like walter was always the last guy to come in from the practice field and jerry Rice was always the last guy cam's that guy
1: we're talking with rick cleveland a uh, longtime sports editor and columnist uh, for the clarion ledger and jackson uh I guess the most decorated sports journalist in Mississippi history. So he's seen them all and, and we're getting some perspective on Cam Akers. I, well, I'll, I'll get to the quarterback thing in a moment. I, how big of a shock was it that he left the state of Mississippi and, and is it still uh, sitting in the craw of, of Ole Miss fans uh, at this point?
5: Oh yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and you know, I it's hard to, you know, to, to do what if, but it's if Ole Miss didn't have the NCAA thing lingering over him, he would have been. I, I think he would have been harder for Florida State to get. Let's put it that way. Uh, he's, uh, but yeah, he was. He was. He was who they focused on. He was who Ole Miss really wanted, and they thought he was the the missing piece of their offensive puzzle. They, you know, they've got to five-star quarterback they've got five-star receivers all over the place and, and then you know but what they lacked was that, that kind of difference maker at running back so yeah it, it stung Ole Miss really bad
1: what kind of kid is Cam I don't know how much interaction you've had with him
5: well I've had a pretty good
1: bit with him uh,
5: and he's a very polite uh, nice uh, nice kid um uh, uh, I don't I, don't, I he, you know I am I'm, I'm not with him every day I don't know you know what he's like on Saturday night but you know when I talk to him he's been as polite and uh you know always has a smile on his face uh uh he loves Twitter uh <laughs> but most of the young ones do you know so uh I you know, if I, I don't, I don't have anything. Uh, I've never heard anything negative said about him, other than from Ole Miss fans that that he shouldn't have told us he was coming if he if he wasn't. You know,
1: How, what's his personality around teammates in terms of being a leader on the field? Is it's he very
5: uh... very popular around teammates? Uh, uh, and he was on. You know, he was he he made a, a, a what would have been a. a a good team into a great team at Clinton. He had some he had some pretty talented teammates.
2: You talked about his ability to throw. Uh you know, if you were you were in the position of advising Jimbo as to where to put him, is running back where he needs to stay or, or do do we need to look at him using being used a little bit at the quarterback position somehow?
5: Well well I certainly would use him in the, in a wild in you know wildcat situations, but I I you know and I don't I don't know what Florida State's situation is at quarterback. I'm just telling you, if they wanted to play in the quarterback, they certainly could, and they and he would he would be a, a very good one. I think that he thinks his future is as a running back beyond college football, and that's I think that's why he wants to play running back.
1: Rick Cleveland is our guest from the state of Mississippi. I'm I'm racking my brain here because you probably have anecdotes uh, from your days covering them, so. Florida State Seminoles from Mississippi. Terrell Buckley's probably at the top of the list. Uh, Mario Edwards was from there. Kez McCorvey, those are the three names that jump out on the football side. K.J., fill in some blanks for me. You uh, th- those are the three that were on the top of my tongue.
5: <laughs> yeah, those are were, those were the three that I w- would have mentioned. It seemed like there was a big offensive lineman uh, at one point that was playing there, but I, I the name escapes me.
1: Well, there was a quarterback that uh, went the other way in the state of Florida. Shane Matthews was from uh, from over in your parts, too, right? Oh, yeah.
5: Well, there's been several. Uh, uh, was it Jack Jackson? Is that his name? The uh, wide receiver from Pascagoula. Yeah, played for Florida. Played then, yeah. yeah, played for the Gators. Uh, and uh, But but the ones you mentioned are Florida State, which, you know, it, it's really unusual that I mean, Tallahassee's not that far from the Mississippi Gulf Coast. You would you would think there might have been more through the years.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And Florida State does get into Louisiana or tries to if LSU will let them, and and goes into Texas too. Uh, but it's tough, as you know. Uh, I mean, that that's I think part of what the big story is about Cam is not just his talent, but that he actually left his home state, which uh, I'm guessing doesn't happen very often for the stars that are coming out of the state of Mississippi. They're either going to be uh you know at Ole Miss or Mississippi State.
5: There was a period, uh, a period of time in the 80s and 90s when a lot of kids were losing, uh, were leaving the state. Uh, The Clarion Ledger has what they call the Dandy Duster, and I remember one year that eleven of the twelve left the state. But since uh, Mississippi State and Ole Miss have leveled the playing field as far as facilities, I mean they're. Their indoor facilities and weight rooms and locker rooms and everything are—I mean, there may be some bigger, bigger stadiums other places, but there's no nicer uh, facilities like that than what State and Ole Miss have, and 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 they've kept kept them at home a lot better since then. Um, I think Tim is probably the first top player that's left the state in several years.
1: Well Rick we appreciate you giving some uh, perspective uh, to our to our listeners as to what Florida state has in in Cam Akers and you know I mentioned at the top that you've been doing this for 50 years I didn't tell our listeners that you're only 56 years old you got an early start so
2: I love <laughs> well, I loved I, uh, always, I loved how you I got that first job years, though.
5: <laughs> um, y'all are going to love him I'm telling you he, there's not there's nothing about Cam uh not to like I mean he 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 plays hard and he's just, Superb athlete. He works hard. He's a good kid. There's nothing not to like.
1: Well, that is good to hear. Thanks so much uh, for the for the perspective. Congratulations again on going into the Hall of Fame. I think it's the first weekend in August this year.
5: That's right. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: All righty, Rick Cleveland, who is uh, a legend uh, in Mississippi, won numerous national, regional, and state sports writing awards. I guess uh, you know, Keith, you and I are racking our brain. Probably Bill Buckhalter is the comparison on the uh, state of Florida side in terms of somebody who's you know. Bill was out there covering everything long before he well, had all the recruiting websites. Bill, Bill
2: was covering it when I was in high school because well, he would come over to Wildwood and watch practice, and I had the opportunity to, to visit with him some, my dad especially. And uh, since he was, you know, quote unquote, next door in Orlando, Buckhalter was probably the, uh, the dean uh, or at least the, the beginning of what we now call the recruiting coverage and
1: uh, a very good friend. Thanks to Rick Cleveland once again. Hey, I need to remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Call them at 580-1200 or visit them online at ctf.nu. One more segment to go as we wrap things up here on the front row, a National Signing Day edition, and we'll do that after we do this.
0: front row is brought to you by cornerstone tool and fastener two locations to choose from 1110 stuckey avenue and 3269 crawfordville highway call them at 580-1200 or online at ctf.nu now here's tom and keith Few more
1: minutes to go. The front row, I'll remind you, is available on demand after every week's show through two convenient methods. You can head to espn.tallahassee.com and find the Audio Vault drop-down menu. Simply click on the front row, or you can subscribe to our podcast via iTunes, uh, and that way it's always there in your uh, the mobile device of your choice. KJ, we we have a, a couple of minutes here. Another good national signing day class. New walk-off music for our Seminoles.com insider Tim Lenafelt and uh, Cam Akers pretty doggone good according to somebody who saw him play in high school so i guess he'll be starting at quarterback in the fall well let's let you yeah, let's let's at least qualify this a little bit we are not starting the campaign <laughs> no, for that not at all i do think though that it's uh, it, there is reason to have concern from a depth standpoint at quarterback for florida state uh and i don't know if jimbo has something up his sleeve and actually as we sit here and tape this we have no idea how signing day actually unfolded because we taped this earlier in the day um But regardless of that, even if depth was not an issue, it does sound like Cam throws a pretty good football. We saw one tailback pass, halfback pass last year from Jacques Patrick. Maybe it is something that gets incorporated more. But I have a hard time seeing Jimbo go to a Wildcat and doing I mean, he's... He's been so pro-style. He has not been all about, we're going to run the spread. He wants his quarterbacks going through progressions, which is not to say that Cam couldn't do that, but you're going to have to choose what position. The one thing that, that I think it may speak
2: to is the versatility of Cam. And I'll be interested to see how well he catches the ball. And and remember, we had conversations about maybe you do this with Dalvin some towards the latter part of the year. You put him out in the slot or you get him out wide. If Acres has those same type of capabilities, then you've got the opportunity to do that. Uh, the only other thing that's come to my mind is when they're in, when they're in the pistol uh, and or the shotgun, depending on where the the back is. You know, we, we you saw some under Coach Bowden some direct snaps to Warwick done. And obviously if he's got good hands and he's used to to being in that position of doing some reading, uh, you could do some direct snaps to him or you could move the quarterback out in motion and and do a quasi-trick play that way. But what's good to know and the better part that I heard uh, is how he gets along with his teammates, his work ethic, and those types of things because there's the intangibles. My experience are the, the, the physicals we can measure. The intangibles are what separate the great from the elite. And normally those intangibles uh, revolve around work ethic and the ability to get along with others. And if he's got both of those two traits uh, coupled with
1: those physical traits, then uh, obviously the, the future is very, very bright for him. That was well said, and the, the bottom line is we're, what we're trying to say is don't tell your friends that Cam Akers is going to play quarterback at FSU. And don't tell or him just suggest and that don't that tell he's going to be all. starting
2: the first game against Alabama, uh, although that might be the case, and certainly it's a very high possibility he'll see some action, but you know Jimbo doesn't like to do that either. Uh, first-time starters are few and, and, and rare in, in opening games.
1: We're almost out of time, so I'm really not being fair to ask this, but uh, would you suspect given – uh, limited or lack of depth at the receiver position, uh, and an abundance of tailbacks that we're going to see more two running back sets next year.
2: I, I On don't the know surface,
1: if I know there's a long way away. I don't see if you. I don't know if you'll see more
2: two running back sets, but I think again back to you could move Acres, you could move Green, uh, you could you could use some of your tailbacks as slot receivers,
1: and that might be the answer to that issue. All right. Miami, Florida State tonight. Keith, uh, we have changed the walk-off music for Seminoles.com insider Tim Linefeld, so I fully expect you're going to come back from Coral Gables victorious. That's the plan. Then we will have a, a raucous crowd on Super Bowl Sunday as the Clemson Tigers roll into town to start your Super Bowl festivities. Uh, safe travels, and we'll do this again next week. He's Keith, I'm Tom, Tom Lang on the other side of the glass, and we're done.